0: Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am so excited and honored today to have my new friend and colleague, Leah Marshall, with me. She is the founder and leader of the Esther Perel Discussion Group on Facebook, a community of over 7,000 members. Can
1: you believe that? I can, and I can't. <laughs> um, and the coolest, thing, the coolest thing about it is I've done no promotion. It's all been organic. It's all been people drawn to her work and kind yeah. of finding us um, online and potentially through fate, if you believe in that type of thing. Oh, yeah, um,
0: I, I do. And that's how I found you, actually, Leah. So there are there are 7,000 members um, from across across the globe who connect regularly in this group we discussed relationships, intimacy, sex, desire, and infidelity. I mean, all super hot topics. Um, wow. Leah has auth- authored content on dating and relationships for media outlets, including Your Tango, Daily Urbanista, Man Talks, Mend, and more. Mm-hmm. You can connect with Leia on Instagram at Ms. Leia Marshall through her blog at um leapcast. Oh, that's so funny. It's Miss Leah Marshall. I never oh, thought
1: of confused. <laughs> Like as as a uh, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, but yeah, Miss Leah Marshall. Yep, Miss Leah
0: Marshall. Leapcastlife.wordpress.com and in the Esther Perel discussion group on Facebook. Um, And I and I'll you know I'll include those links. And before we get into this juicy discussion about all these hot topics, I want to ask you. My first question I want to ask you is why your interest, or what are you drawn to about both
1: dance and boxing? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> so they're different and they're similar. I got into boxing because I was at a conference and they had this special guest speaker who was a boxing coach for Victoria's Secret Angels. He was like their trainer. Whoa. And he was this really like Often tumble guy from New York City, uh-huh. the best accent in the world, and he was kind of like a poet. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. I think it's called The Peaceful Warrior. Um, it's That's Dan Millman. Dan Millman, exact great yeah. uh-huh. movie. So there's a figure in that movie called Socrates, who's kind of like the mentor. You know, the Yoda, so to speak. Yeah. And um, this guy, his name's Martin Snow, reminded me a lot of him. And I left the conference. I had never had any interest in boxing. Um, I'm a pretty just kind of like peaceful, serene person. Yeah. Um, But I was just really fired up about it. And my buddy and I ended up doing a private lesson with him. And coming back to Chicago, I'm like, I should find a gym so I can kind of keep this going. And I tried a bunch of different gyms, and they were just a horrible fit. And one of them was UFC, the you know the famous chain. And I told the manager there, I'm like, listen, I'm I really don't think this is going to work out. And he said, come back. He's like, it's on me. He's like, try a class with Robbie Cole. And I'm like, Robbie, I I saw your I saw your last class, but go ahead. Yeah. So Robbie is one in a million. He's a former fighter from the UK. Uh, so funny, playful, also really, really expert in what he does. Uh-huh. And Robbie's gift is finding kind of the unique motivation that each person comes to boxing with. And so for me it was it was you know self-defense. it was training in a new format. And for me, I'm all I'm all about fun for my workouts. I never do a single workout unless I'm really enjoying it. Because um, for me, movement is like play. Right. And so Robbie hit all of those boxes for me. And I ended up training with him for three years. And then him awesome. and his now wife and beautiful Bernice Mound Dog that I was in love with um, just moved to Colorado. They got a new home and he's going to try to start his own gym there Um, And so what drew me to boxing was originally this guy, Martin Snow, Socrates. And then what kept me in it was my incredible mentor, Robbie. Um, And then in terms of the dance stuff, this is a really cool story because I got into dance pretty late in my life you know, I had always dabbled when I was younger. I did like a little bit of ballet and a little jazz here and there, but I wasn't one of those like dance kids that did the competitions or was like on the school team. Um, but around my late twenties, um, it was a time where I was really throwing myself into work. I think in part to avoid some of the personal stuff that was challenging for me. Yeah. And I ended up getting a career coach who really helped me a lot with work, but he was, he reminded me a little bit of Jack Welsh. He was so into work and it became all consuming and it was really becoming unhealthy for me Uh because I think I kind of tend in that direction as it is. Uh so I decided I wanted to continue working with a coach, but I wanted it to be a personal coach, not a career coach. And there was a woman whose podcast I had listened to, um, it was probably my favorite at the time. This was like 10 years ago. Uh, it was called um, How She Really Does It with Corinne Modokitis. Hmm. And um, I was just really drawn to her. And she did coaching and I reached out to her and I kind of shared where I was at in my journey. And our work together became about getting me back in tune with my body, which everything I had done leading up to that point with work, it was like caffeine so I didn't have to sleep and eating lunch at the vending machine so I didn't have to go down and like actually take a lunch break and like really not sleeping enough and really ignoring all the signals that my body was giving me.
0: Yeah, and dis- so, disconnecting with yourself.
1: Big time. Uh-huh. Big time in uh-huh. order to achieve, in order to get external validation, right? Right, right. So, um, so I worked with her, and you know, she asked me like, when was the last time you really felt in tune with your body? And I talked about like, you're
0: like, what does that mean? You know, I
1: don't know. <laughs> what was funny is in college, I did a little bit of uh, partner dancing, like ballroom dancing and uh-huh. Latin. And so I kind of thought back to that moment. And she said, is there a dance class in your neighborhood, you know, that you could try as kind of like the homework before our next session together. So at the time, I was a member at a really, it was, it's like the cheapest gym in Chicago. It's called export Sport. No offense, X Sport. You served me well for, for a while. It's 24-7, <laughs> which was appealing to a workaholic, of course. Yeah. And they're not known for having really good group classes or group instructors, but I hit the jackpot, and the very first dance class I tried was with this woman, Melissa Metro, who would go on to to really become a mentor and, and shape me in a profound way. Um, she was like a former break dancer. She had kind of like a, a real masculine energy, and her dance classes were just the most fun. And so I did that. I, I started doing it more and more to the point where I was doing it every day, and then wow. I got to teach dance and I did that a little bit wow um and now the main dance I do is pole dancing and I think that's been so impactful because um so often I feel like we attach our sexuality to a partner to another person and you know if you're single like me and I've been single for a while now you can kind of just let that um fade away, in a sense, you know, if you're attaching it to a partner, and you're not having casual sex. And so what pole dancing for me has done is it's such a powerful way to connect with my. It feels super playful. Um, You know, when I do it, it's not for anyone else, but myself, and just kind of connecting with that side of me and all of the different elements that can come out in pole dancing, whether it's Kind of aggressive, or kind of demure, or playful, or you know, saucy, or whatever it might be. So, um, so that's been huge for me, and been doing it now for maybe two or three years, um, uh-huh. pretty regularly. And um, yeah, it's a huge part of my life and who I am. So
0: it's like basically connecting yourself with all these various aspects of yourself.
1: Yeah, that I feel like, you know, so often in our society, we get messages about sexuality. Um, and for me, it's kind of been coming back to to the root of it, which is, you know, inside my mind. Uh, you know, if you've ever read The Erotic Mind by Jack Morin, um, he talks about sexuality as a place that we go. Um, you know, either with ourselves or with another person. Right. And so, um, so it's this incredible juicy time I have, you know, um, to kind of explore that side of myself um, that I normally wouldn't.
0: And so, and so how does that differ from the boxing? Like do, what does boxing bring out in you?
1: So boxing is a little bit more of a release than kind of a t- tapping into existing energy or creativity. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there have been some times where I've had some tough relational um, experiences. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, before I had boxing in my life, I really didn't have that release. And I'm not someone who anger isn't really like one of my default emotions. Yeah. Um, and so it really allows you to release it through the body. And I don't know if you've dove it all into the work of Hilary Jacobs Hendel but she talks about how yeah. emotions are energy stored in the body yeah. and so as great as the thought work is if we don't release that, that energy it kind of just stays there stagnant so for me boxing is a little bit more of a release uh-huh. um, although it can be very like playful and dance like at times uh, that's kind of more how I would use it um, mm-hmm. and kind of tapping into that like I guess in our animalistic side, whereas dance is much more um, kind of in my feminine it's flirtatious it's receptive it's responsive uh-huh. uh, it's fluid, it's kind of responding to the music, which is like in that in the moment um, right
0: well but- i I think both of those and and you know I'm a dancer as well, mm-hmm. and I dance. I've danced a lot of different things, but currently hip hop. And for the previous like five years, I danced tango, which was very sensual and, you know, passionate and hip hop for me because I love the music. That's the music that I'm most drawn to. Um, and I say it's the, it's the space, like the one space in my life where I'm so in the moment and present that nothing else around me matters. You know, it's just, I'm feeling in my body. I'm here. I'm like, I'm feeling the music and I'm just, um, like there's just this divine connection or whatever. I, I said, I feel like I'm the most me when I'm on the dance floor.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that so much. And it's funny because I think a lot of people, when they think about pole dancing, especially if they haven't done dance before, Uh think of being in your head so much. Whereas for me, it's the total opposite. It's like my mind just empties. Exactly. Um, And it's funny too, because so Esther Perel has a new podcast out and it's all about work. And her second episode dropped yesterday uh-huh. And she actually interviews two sex workers who strip at a club. And it was really interesting to listen to because the dance studio that I go to is really a mix. So you have some professionals there. You have people like me who just love to dance. You know, you have some, like, former gymnasts who like more of, like, the tricks and the aerial stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it's really just a mix and a blend. And it was really cool to hear I mean, Esther is so magical, um, as a therapist and as an interviewer, um, she really got into the psychology of it and hearing from the sex workers, like what men really want, you know, one of them said with her regular, his, his go-to with her is they get into a room and he wants to slow dance with her and kind of like just feel her body and feel the movement. And um, the woman who was being interviewed said it reminded her of kind of being in middle school in a middle school dance and almost like going back to that early feeling of like mm. the, the first inklings of like love and attraction. Uh, it was so cool. And, you know, they also talked about um, kind of the psychology of being a sex worker and like really getting into the minds of men and what they want and how important it is for them to kind of feel like you're... Receptive to their energy and giving them attention and validating that. It was just fascinating I'm gonna I, I, go back and look at it again but yeah. I, 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 did,
0: I did see a tech a TED talk about a sex worker and she yeah. said and she said I don't know if you posted it in the group uh, Yeah, um, But it was basically like, you know, the time that I spend with my clients is five minutes of sex and the other time just be bearing witness to how they're showing up because, you know, their partners either can't show up to them in that way or they don't feel vulnerable enough to share their truth, you know, without being judged. And so that's sort of their safe place. And I thought, wow, that's really, really fascinating. And I think that, I think this is why I'm so drawn to Esther's work. And this, and this is the next question I want to ask you about how you were drawn to it because I know you're all about relationships, like I am, and um, but all of this stuff about showing up authentically and having these um, meaningful conversations about all the paradoxes within ourselves. You know, the the lust versus love, the desire, um, uh, the the freedom versus the connection, the excitement versus the safety. So when I when I heard about Esther, I mean, I just heard about her in June, and wow. I know it's crazy, especially with my marital stuff that I was going through. It was like, wow, I wish I would have known you ten years ago. But um, she just speaks my language, yeah. and and I and I am so thankful that I found you and the group to have a forum to be able to talk about all of this stuff because obviously there are thousands of people around the world that want to have these open discussions. So please share with me like how you got into Esther and how you decided to start the group and how it's grown and and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. So before I dive into that, you had said something really interesting um, about the TED Talk uh, from The Sex Worker. And one of the things, so Esther has an amazing course. It's actually designed for therapists, but it's all about couples work. Um, And I remember listening to it about six months ago. And she had this line that sex is the sanctioned language for men to access feelings, and um, and feelings are the uh, socially sanctioned way for women Women. to access their sexuality. And I think that's true. Right, And, you know, when I think about my next relationship, I always believe in leading with vulnerability, um, and like, just really want to give permission, you know, just kind of to proactively address, like, I see that, you know, society has kind of this paradigm of masculinity and, um, and, and just giving the guy permission to, uh, to share and to feel and to not have it, um necessarily attached to a sexual act it's interesting right. cuz one of the guys in the group um, is his wife had an affair and he's kind of trying to figure out um, if he should stay in this marriage mm-hmm. because his wife has kind of put him in a specific box like i don't do this type of sex with him right. i only do that with my affair partner it's called the the lo- love lust split or it's also right. called more complex right and kind of try he's so he's so really like dedicated and doing the work and someone had posted uh this concept called karitsa uh, which was kind of coined by a woman marnia robinson um and it's all about the. it's kind of rooted in like Taoist teachings if you know nantuck uh, chia yeah yeah the idea that when you orgasm or you ejaculate you release a lot of powerful energy the energy if, b- behind the sex yep. yeah and if you're able to like redirect it to your partner, that that can have a lot of power. Um, so yeah, just just kind of like exploring a lot of really interesting concepts. It's one of my favorite things about the group is it kind of keeps your finger on the pulse or like on the cutting edge of really provocative, profound um, concepts and tips and tools. So
0: profound um, because I think we we all do tend to like have these sort of roles and expectations that we play as opposed to really exploring who, you know, all the aspects of ourselves.
1: And I think we also tend to just do what we see other people doing or what society tells us we should be doing. You know, a lot of us are exposure to sex and what sex is, is through, uh, through porn, which is really driven just by money. Um, and men. And men, um, but also profit, you know? Right. And so it's, of course, like if you think of anything that's driven by profit, if you think of food, it's like the salty snacks, you know, it's drugs. It's like all of the things that just explode your nervous system. Right. Um, so I totally forgot where I was going with that. But I did I did want to answer your question, your original question, which was how I got into this. So um, every year I go to an event called Uh, Summit of Greatness. It was started by a guy, Lewis Howes. He has a podcast called School of Greatness. And he interviews the greats from authors to creatives to artists to athletes to businessmen and women, uh, entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, he does a long form podcast. So it's anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half episodes. And I love that. Like I love really going deep with someone versus kind of quick 20 minutes me too uh, yeah and so uh had always been a fan of his show and wanted to find a way to support him because obviously the podcast is something free that he gives to all of us so um so was at his, his event for the first time and this was um either two or I think it was two years ago actually yeah and one of the speakers he had was Esther Oh wow uh, and I was completely transfixed and blown away as we all are And she had this line that I'll never forget. She said, in dating and relationships, we're often picked for a role that we didn't audition for. And in that moment, maybe just a week or two before, I had been ghosted by a guy who I'd been dating for several months and was really, really felt really connected to and, you know, invested in. Mm -hmm. Um... And I just had this aha moment. Oh, I had picked him for a role that he didn't audition for and vice versa. You know, I had had kind of like a flirty picture in my profile. Um, And I think he saw that and put me in a certain box. Um, And I saw his profile and I didn't realize this at the time, but he reminds me now with hindsight and clarity so much of my dad. Yeah. So he had that safe, feeling of like what I associate with love. Um, And so we totally both auditioned each other for roles that we were not (laughs) interested in. Um, And so I, you know, I left the talk feeling like, Oh, I really want to go deeper on this. Mm -hmm. And I have like really bright intellectual friends, but not everyone wants to go deep on, you know, relationships.
0: Emotional, emotional intelligence. Yeah. That's a whole different topic.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of people see relationships as about comfort and security or about like pleasure and fun. And for me, they're just like a vehicle for growth and evolution and kind of peeling back the layers of the sun.
0: I completely agree with that.
1: Yeah. So, um, so wanted to, wanted to go deeper, didn't really know who to go to for that. And so on a whim, I started the group and, you know, two years later, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean the the people that are drawn to it. There's so much. There's a lot of courage because it's. Yes. Really, I was looking at it today because we had a post recently from someone who um, had had an affair and was recently um, reached out to by her affair partner, and it's it's hard to share when a lot of the people responding have been in the other seat. You know, they've right. been quote unquote betrayed. Um, and I think that there's just kind of like a receptivity to hearing many perspectives, to sharing your story, to, um, to being vulnerable and, and kind of stepping outside of a lot of like gender norms, you know, men talking about sexless marriages they're in, you know, being betrayed, um, you know, people talking about the challenges of modern dating. Um, you know, there are a lot of singles in the group who are, kind of navigating this desire to have this type of relationship that we just described, which is about like being invested, growing together, sharing our stuff in a world where it's all about kind of like aesthetics and instant gratification and um, like a lack of desire to be really seen, I think, in some ways
0: i i i I don't even know if it's a lack of desire to be seed i seen i I think my opinion is that people are afraid to yeah. to show their truth you know to yeah. show their authenticity and i think that I think that's why affairs happen yeah. I think that's why there's so much um you know why there is so much infidelity and betrayal because if I came to you and i and i said you know what, this really isn't working for me and I found somebody else that I feel connected to and I'd rather go pursue that. Yeah. You know, how would that change the face of relationships? And, um, you know, this is one thing that Esther talks about so much about non-monogamous relationships have always been accepted from, for the men. Right. Um, because it's just sort of assumed, well, men want sex and, you know, they have desires. And so, you know, and now it's like, wait a second, this is having to redefine, well, what do women want? And aren't we entitled to the same things? And don't men, both men and women want all of those paradoxes? Yeah. And don't they navigate all of them sort of equally?
1: Yeah, it is funny how we tend to put people in specific boxes uh-huh. in our minds like I could never do that with that person because they're the type of person that I do X with, you know, right. and therefore I need to go outside of my marriage or outside of the relationship with
0: without even giving without even giving your partner the opportunity to say yes or no, you know yeah. it's, it's not just like, will you or won't you? It's, hey, I'm thinking about this, can we explore it? Can we talk about it? can we you know I mean? Or can we investigate it
1: yeah together I totally, t- I totally agree i'm well, I see that um infidelity is really a co-creation, and that um I don't like the word blame, but responsibility always lies with both people yeah, I just know that um uh, I'm someone who values communication so much that I just would never get to that point because I would. I would have the conversation, hey, you know, I'm feeling like the initial spark that I felt isn't there for me. Would you be open to trying X? You know, I think that that could reignite it for me. Or would you be open to us opening up the relationship? Like, I actually really um, value and look forward to those types of conversations, because Mm -hmm. there's just so much authenticity there. And that's what I'm drawn to.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, Um, but I think, uh, I was having a conversation with a guy in the group uh, earlier this month and he had such insight. He was saying, you know, I think I really picked my partner from a place of wanting validation. And I think she picked me from a place of like fear and wanting comfort and security. Uh-huh. And now they're at a place where they're really trying to, um, uh, I think he, he's really ready to start exerting some boundaries, which he's never done. Mm-hmm. And she's feeling like he's kind of changing the rules of the game mid game with these <laughs> countries, and they're navigating that. Um, uh-huh. And just kind of like sending so much love and compassion to him for having the courage to do that work. Cause it's not easy.
0: No. And I, I think I have always felt, you know, when you were talking about uh, when you're in relationship, it's really an opportunity for growth. And I have always sort of had this perspective that we're drawn to people who um, who have the capability of helping us heal whatever wounds we're still carrying around with us. And so, yeah. you know, for instance, um, I'll just talk about myself and my marriage. That my dad, um, I have a good relation. I have a really good relationship with my parents. Like it seems like you do as well.
1: Yeah.
0: But my, my dad traveled a lot for work, and so he was gone a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I carry this sense of abandonment by a male. Yeah. Even though he always came back, there was always this like longing for, my, for this father figure. And so I've tended to, to um, be with these men and my husband who would basically turn away from me. And it was like, I have to, you know, try to figure out what I can do to get their attention and to get their acknowledgement and, um, you know, like, don't abandon me, come back, come be with me. And so I feel like a lot of times we are in these relationships where we change the rules of the game as we become more aware of our own triggers. And so I think this is a Big part of why this group is so valuable.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I've noticed there's been kind of like a noticeable shift this month where a couple people who've really been a little bit in the background and kind of knowing that things need to happen, but kind of sitting back on the action piece, there have been some really bold action steps in the group. You know, everything from having some tough conversations to even ending marriages that have run their course yeah. um, and it's just it's so powerful for me to see um, you know I'm single right now so I'm a little bit more in like receiving mode than like doing the hard work mode although mm-hmm. there's always stuff that comes up um, but it's just so in, I mean inspiring isn't really the right word moving maybe um, it, it's so moving to see people Take powerful action steps in their lives that are about being true and authentic to yourself and no longer um, sacrificing sacrificing your life in order to keep things comfortable for for the marriage or for the other person. Yeah, I, I think that's
0: the hard part and and I wanted to ask you about this because um, when you when when you show up in a relationship, I think that there are always sort of sacrifices for time and energy based on, you know, what each person needs in the partnership. And those are the things that you continuously have to navigate. Um, But I, I don't feel that anybody should sacrifice the truth of who they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just, just want to add to that it takes like time and work to know what that truth is. A whole lifetime, um, I think, Leah. <laughs> I think you're right. And that's, that's one of the things, obviously, um, and having kind of that time and that space to do that work. Um, the majority of my life I've really been single. Um, I think in some part because I'm in introvert. I know I don't come across that way, but I like bring myself to the world. Um and I think because of that personality trait, I've really developed a lot of like comfort and okayness with being single. Mm-hmm. Um and again, like pros and cons to that, right? But the pro, the big pro is I've invested a ton of time into like really knowing who I am. Yeah. And there's something in the relationship that I know are non-negotiables that for other people um, would be flexible. For example, words are how I feel love. And so so a man who's not interested or able to, you know, text and be playful with words and communicate emotion through words, like that just would never work for me because that's yeah. how I feel connection. Whereas quality time, like I've, built a life that i absolutely love and so i'm actually pretty protective of my interest in giving up and so for other people it's that quality time piece um, that's so important for them in a relationship whereas for me it's something really different so i think that it's really invaluable to be able to have the time and space to get to know who you are to get that self-awareness so that when the right person comes along you're able to communicate your needs Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not from a place of dependence, but more just from a place of awareness.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that we're constantly evolving anyways. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things that I struggled with in my marriage um, was, you know, I love to dance too, right? That's my big passion and, and trying to manage my children. I was the primary caregiver, even though I was still working part-time and I was used to be a therapist and trying to, you know, balance all of those things. And when I would say, hey, I, you know, I want to go take a dance class tonight. It was like, well, you know, well, you're taking time away from the family. It's like, well, when do I have time for me? You know, like everybody needs to nurture themselves and care for themselves so that they can care for the other people that they need to to care for. Oh, yeah. And so- and so it's how, you know, how do you negotiate that, um, I don't want to sacrifice who I am just to make you happy, right? Uh, so, how, and, and I think that we all, it's that constant conversation, you know, a continuous conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I mean, I'm someone who's very consciously chosen not to have kids because of that, you right? Know? have a, um, a certain lifestyle that I've become accustomed to that makes me really truly feel alive and like yeah. health. And I know that if I did have kids, a lot of that would die. Um, yeah. And, you know, I have s- – There, I have a lot of close friends who are parents who very consciously chosen that and get like a ton of gratitude from it. So I think, again, it just goes back to knowing who you are and not just kind of going along with the choices based on what society says you should be doing at a specific point in your life, but really taking the time to get to know yourself.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I really honor that. Um, I actually, my closest girlfriends, none of them have kids. Yeah. you know, uh, some because of choice, some because of, you know, physical health reasons or yeah. whatever, but, um, you know, we all have different, different ways of being in the world and, and what speaks to one doesn't necessarily speak to another. And so that's why, you know, that's why it's so important to, to really understand yourself and say, you know what, this isn't, this doesn't work for me. This is a deal breaker for me. Um, you know, it's great that you want to have kids, but I'm not interested. So even though I feel connected to you and I, you know, I, I admire and respect you, go, you know, go find what's going to make you happy. So, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's interesting too, because in a lot of ways in creating this group, it felt like a birth, you know, yeah. um, in terms of the community we have now, yeah. and there are actually a lot of needs within the community and it, it always feels like a gift for me to respond to them. And so I think in a lot of ways, I'm kind of meeting that like maternal yeah. giving, nurturing side through the group. Yeah, uh, And so, uh, you know, for, for women who um, desire to kids or a family and for whatever reason can't, whether it's because they haven't found the right partner or for, for physical reasons, um, I think that there are always creative ways in which we can kind of tap into the feeling that we're looking to experience yes. through that act, whether it's you know, nurturing, mentoring, and then find other kind of creative vehicles to do it.
0: Right. right. And I, I think that's true for both, for both. men and women. Um, that's one yeah. of the things about, that's one of the things about sexuality It's like the sexual um, energy is not just about sex. I mean, the sex is like a small part of your sexual energy. It's that creativity. It's that feeling alive. It's that um, just that that feeling of sort of being uh, who you are, being the fullness of who you are and giving of yourself and also being open to receive. I mean, that's the the sexual energy, I think, that you can put out in the world, whether or not you're having sex.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've certainly had my share of experiences where, um, let's say I was dating a guy who, you know, nice guy, uh, had a certain kind of like, traditional like nice guy persona not nice guy in terms of i know there's a book by robert glover called like nice guys finish last or something like that which is all about um men who are like people pleasers and don't have boundaries i don't mean nice guy in that sense just like you know like a nice guy and then we would get into the bedroom in the early days of having sex together and it felt like he wasn't even in the room. Like it felt like a performance. And like, yeah. it, was, it was like we went from like a deep connection moments before to as soon as we entered into the act of sex. It's like, I almost didn't even feel like I should be in the room. You know, like if, if he was going to be, if he was gonna be on a show, you know, I could, I could do other things. Um, but but not,
0: just- not being present.
1: Yeah, not being present and being in performance mode, not being
0: vulnerable,
1: right? Not being vulnerable as a way to disconnect versus feel more deeply connected. I'm actually really excited because um, we had on the in the group in a Facebook Live a couple, Lavina and Caleb. And they did this um, sex journal for couples based on their experience, where um, after every time they had sex, they would part ways for a moment, independently journal about it, and then come together and share something from their writing. And um, they did a Kickstarter campaign for the journals and like did a round one, um, and I got into their round two, and I just got my journal the other day and was flipping through it. I'm so excited to use it. Um, you know in, in my next relationship, yeah, but that um,
0: sounds like an amazing tool
1: it It really is, and it 's um obviously pretty counterintuitive that you would like journal that <laughs> you would journal right after sex, but uh, you know as someone who just salivates over connection and intimacy and authenticity it 's just such a cool tool yeah is that
0: where you is that where you learned um I mean, is that what you learned from your parents? What did you learn about love from your parents?
1: My parents are so interesting. So my dad is a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's funny is like, he just is so emotionally aware and cracked open um, and very comfortable talking about his feelings. Uh And I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Like I didn't really date in high school. Um, and then in college, I think I was kind of just like busy, busy with activities and I did in Spain. Um, and so my paradigm of men was my dad until, you know, my early twenties, essentially. Um, and and (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time I dated someone emotionally unavailable and I was like so confused. (laughs) Um, and, and then my mom, uh, so my mom is really incredible, you know, came from, uh, an immigrant family of Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. I really connect with Esther in that sense. Um, uh-huh. I have like one generation removed because it was her parents, you know, who were Holocaust survivors. And for me, it was my grandparents, but
0: uh-huh.
1: they had a small grocery store in Brooklyn, you know, miraculously survived the Holocaust, miraculously were able to immigrate here, Immigrate wow. here. Um, Had a small little grocery store. My mom went to um, a massive, dangerous high school in Brooklyn, you know, before Brooklyn was what it was today. She's now in her seventies, so you can kind of have a sense. Um, Ended up being valedictorian, was the first in her family to go to college, Wow. ended up getting an English degree and a law degree. She worked at the public guardian's office as a lawyer, Um, and then... Around the time I was a teenager, suddenly got bipolar um, or became bipolar mm-hmm. and has really struggled with uh, manic depression ever since. Um, in the, over the past 10 years, it's been much more like deep depression and anxiety than mania. But in my teenage years, it was definitely mania. Mm-hmm. And my parents, up until my mom got sick, just had the most incredible marriage, Um, you know, we talked a lot in the group about like the messages we got about sex and sex was always something like really positive, but also special. Um, I just feel like they did such a remarkable job together and with me. Um, and then I think because my mom got sick, I got like hyper independent. Like I essentially became my own mom and then also a mom to her. Uh And I think a lot of that is reflected in my personality now. And maybe why you don't want to have kids. Possibly, yeah, because my sister feels the same way. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will say that my, my absolute favorite book growing up as a kid, it was called, um, oh, shoot, I just linked on the title. Um, I Can Do It By Myself. Oh. And it's a picture of like a little girl with her stuffed animal on her, on her bicycle, like biking around. And I would make my parents read that to me um, nonstop. And it's such a huge part of who I am today. Um, <laughs> so uh at any rate yeah so my parents i really just hit the jackpot um and i think in other ways maybe it made it um you know whenever we have like tough experiences i feel like they teach us about life and people and ourselves and so i think in some ways i had a bit of a learning curve um once i started dating because Um, you know, just of how I experienced my dad and how different a lot of the men I dated are. Mm
0: -hmm. So do you think that when you're looking for a partner, you want somebody more like your dad?
1: So I, when I think about the men that I've dated, that I've, most enjoyed. Um, they're always great with words and really playful. I say jokingly with one of the girls in the group who's a friend of mine, uh, that one of my love languages is humor. Because when someone really knows how to make you laugh, there's something about it where you feel very seen and understood. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's one thing to be a comedian who makes everyone laugh, another to have a partner who knows like just how to make you laugh. Right. And the men that I've dated where it's really touch me they all share that quality and they're usually really really good with words as well yeah, yeah um so so that that's hugely important you know definitely like someone who's self-aware um and comfortable having tough conversations is really important to me um
0: how about the growth how about the growth
1: aspect oh yeah that's i mean that's a non-negotiable yeah. um i would because i would you know, pleasure and fun is great. Um, and it's a big part of like the life I've designed, but there needs to be like something deeper, like a, a why behind it. Yeah. Um, and comfort and security, like I I'm essentially there on my own. So I obviously like really lucky to have a great job and, you know, a financial safety net. And I know a lot of women don't have that. And it makes a ton of sense to enter mm-hmm. into a comfort and security partnership as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one, like, I'm good there. Um, so for me, the, like, the reason that I would enter into a relationship is, is, is because of kind of, like, that deeper... Um, pulling back the layers of the self, um, vulnerability, feeling seen...
0: Yeah, can can you repeat? Can, yeah, can you repeat that last part? Because my audio went wobbly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just saying, um, you know, there's a guy Jason Gaddis who I really like. Who says there are three types of relationships. There's the base level, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's right. comfort and security. Um, you know, I'm financially stable. I'm good there. Plus, I plus I, like did three years of boxing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, there's like fun and pleasure which I think a lot of um a lot of people when I think of like a a relationship or kind of the way society says a relationship should be or the purpose of a relationship it's kind of that it's like having fun and like distracting from inner your emotions (laughs) right (laughs) um and as much as I love I mean I'm a really playful person Um, and love yeah and and of course like love having a good good time who doesn't but there needs to be like a deeper meaning yeah Um, whether it is helping each other evolve and grow or process stuff or um, work through stuff together Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I I think that's one of the things that Esther really talks about you know we used to live in these communities. And we look to a lot of different people, you know, to, um, to help us with all these various aspects of ourselves. And now we've put so much um, energy and emphasis on the one. And it's like, I, I feel like your partner maybe is not the one to do all of those things, but they should be supportive in you pursuing all of those things.
1: Yeah, and obviously, I mean the her the premise of her first book was all about how you can actually increase the flames of desire by having separate parts of your life, um, yeah, and and kind of creating that space. You know, the she had asked the question like, "When do you feel most drawn to your partner?" And almost universally, it's when you're sitting back separate. and kind of watching them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so if you think about it in order to connect with that feeling of desire, there needs to be separation. Um, I think she calls it a bridge to cross.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um,
0: so yeah. So where do you see, um, cause we're getting close to our time. So where do you see the group going and grow and how do you see the group growing or what's your, you know, what's your vision? Um,
1: like my side passion is I don't feel compelled to have like a five-year plan for it Um, I love being responsive to the direction it's going I've noticed lately men are doing some tremendous work and I almost thought of like creating a men's group um, because there are a lot of folks who are interested in joining men's groups but they don't exist where they are geographically uh-huh. so I thought about that this past year. we did a whole masculinity dinner series because masculinity was the topic of Esther's annual live event last year right and it I think I've heard rumors that it will be the topic of her next book and her next TED talk as well. um so we did four dinners across the country in major cities where we brought together some of the um the big thought leaders, whether it was men's group leaders or authors or um, people who've done some video content um, and, and had conversations around that. Um, So I think like live events for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, For the first time this year, we're doing an annual awards ceremony. (laughs) Yeah. The, the growth of members of the group and also just kind of this family that we've created. So that's going to be something for sure that will continue. Um, I love the Facebook lives. Um, so we'll see, you know, and I'm always open to people approaching me with an idea um, and us piloting something. So, yeah,
0: it's, yeah. A, it's a fantastic I know we're, we're coming
1: up against, are there, are there yeah, uh,
0: yeah. The one, the one question that I like to end every podcast is how do you define real love?
1: Oh, it's so funny because there are so many different philosophies. Um, I know like Pema Chodron has one about, you know, attachment versus love. And um, uh, Dr. Shefali has a quote, something like real love is uh, loving someone in that moment without any attachment to what they're doing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I define real love? I think it's – it definitely has has strong boundaries on both sides. Um, It definitely has um, respect and appreciation. It definitely has um, not a sense of attachment, not needing someone to be what they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, trueness to the self. Uh, I feel like these are more characteristics than a definition. Um, but I do like, I do like Dr. Shefali is a big mentor of mine. And I do like her definition where it's um, loving the person in the moment, exactly how they are without any need for them to be different or to meet your needs.
0: Right. No, no expectations. Kind of like, No expectations and no judgment.
1: Yeah. 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 And obviously we're human, we're going to have judgment, but there's always an opportunity to, you know, to question the place that it's coming from. You know, is it coming from an unmet need of yourself or work that you haven't done, you know, related to shame about a certain thing? I feel like generally those are the two things that come up when judgment appears. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This um I I, I want to talk to you for another couple hours, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might need to. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll so, do a dance class together. Yes.
1: We'll
0: Perfect. Um, okay, so how do people get in touch with you?
1: So let's see. I have a blog um that's pretty um, uh, you know, new content, say every other month. Um, the best way to access the blog is through my Facebook page, which has a link to it, uh, or my Twitter. So my Twitter is um, at LeapCast, L-E-A-P-C-A-S-T. That was the name of a podcast that I used to do. Um, and then on Instagram, I actually have linked up an interview on conscious relationships that I did with Dr. Shafali Sabari, I um, saw that. Great conversation. Yeah. Thank you. And that's at Ms. Leah Marshall, L E A H M A R S H A L L. You can find the group Esther Perel discussion group on Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah, and you can access my blog at any of those places.
0: Yeah. You you're a powerhouse woman. I mean, I I watched a lot of your videos Um And, you know, trying to find out more about you and all your political stuff that you're doing and all your relational stuff that you're doing and your work. And you're like this beautiful multifaceted woman. So it's been such an honor to get to know you. And I hope, I hope to continue more, 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 more.
1: (laughs) We'll continue the conversation soon.
0: (laughs) Great. So um, for I know that everyone is going to love this conversation and they're going to want more too. So um, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast and uh, share with all of your friends. Give us feedback on things that you would like to hear more about. Um, And also if you would like more support in your own relationships, trying to create more authenticity and overcome heartbreak and betrayal. um, All of these things that we, um, you know, are trying to navigate the paradoxes of. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. And um, remember, and I know this, that this is important to you too, this, that the most important relationship you will ever have is the one you have with yourself. And as Leia is a testimony to create the life that you want so that you show up as a whole and complete person so that you can be an amazing partner to whomever you draw in. It's true. So thank you so much for being here, Leah.
1: Thanks, John. I'll catch you in the group soon.
0: Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye.